0: Hello there and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zerman. Kevin, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the first time we're back in studio since the last draft? I
1: think we were in studio once before, but I couldn't tell you when that is. It was during the pandemic when we were kind of... Was that the last draft? Geez.
0: I don't know. We've been... We're not in a fully everyone coming back into the office situation, but you're welcome to if you want kind of deal right now. And our times rarely match up anyway. So it's just been... Zoom has been handy for us. Let's put it that way. And also, I was on the road for two months. So I just... You were not in the office at all for any reason. Was not... It's fine. Was not within driving distance. No, I was not. But it's good to be back in here, man. Um, I just think it's way easier to... Talk to someone face-to-face as opposed to a computer screen. So call that controversial, if you will. I have not gotten used to that part of the pandemic. So as a transition into that, the last draft, which is when I think we were last in here, um, to this draft, I'm aware that we have a lot of new listeners to our podcast with the team success. If you are new here, we have pretty much for the past four or five years even last year we at least talked about the draft for a good two months or so before it um and then the years before that obviously it was basically the entire season like we were checking in around december and january for like our first impressions of what we're kind of going to be on today and go from there. So and instead of just really getting into a couple of these guys, breaking them down to groups, which is what I did on ArizonaSports.com, if you kind of want a more in-depth thing, we're just kind of kind of rattle off names, types of players they could go for at 29, which is where they pick in this draft, and go from there. But I do think people are genuinely curious because I, I wanted to mention that as a preface to we're not going to exactly start sons only just because we've talked draft on this podcast for so long with each other. I am genuinely curious to hear what you think about the draft class as a whole. And it's going to be a uh, it's always a fun night to watch anyway. So where are you at with this draft class as a whole? So to kind of go to that front in terms of do you think it's some people think it's really good. Some people think it's a little bit overrated. I think the consensus is, is that it's fairly decent no matter what. Yeah, I Like you said, like we're
1: dedicating one podcast probably to the draft, and that's my fault for being on vacation. It's the son's fault for being good. And it's, I I would have said no probably anyway, to be honest. Kellen's enjoying this, uh, watching basketball players who are pros already do well. I think that this class will end up being like a a really solid, like, there are lots of guys who are going to stick, it's going to be safe. Um, but I don't know who's gonna be like star star power. I don't know if Cade Cunningham is he's getting Luca comps and even Lamelo comps. I don't know about that. No. But I I think that he's gonna be a good player. Um I think maybe the Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, Suggs kind of area, there's gonna be an all star or two. Yeah. And from there I think there are lots of like why this is gonna be fun for the Suns is I think there's gonna be really good long-term NBA players who fall to them I think that could be safe to say and that could be risky prospects that could be you know longtime college guys but I think that's why I maybe I'm just pumping myself up to be excited about 29th pick but I think the Suns can get a good player there and I think that's because there's gonna be some solid players in this one.
0: It's a good spot if they're willing to broaden their horizons in order to tease that section uh, going forward because there's a lot of value there. It just matters if their kind of value we're used to with players with experience is like, okay, if Butler and Dosumu and a couple of guys are off the board, like uh, something I, I wanted to talk about is one of the strangest phenomenon, not strange, but a phenomenon in sports in general in a specific league is that when some event or some player comes out of nowhere or gets a bit more exposure. This team makes a run to the finals. Everyone's trying to be the Suns on the Hawks now. That's what uh, ESPN Zach Lowe was talking a lot about that on his draft podcast. If you're looking for more in-depth stuff on like the top 15 or so go listen to him and Mike Schmitz and Jonathan Gavoni on the low post but he was talking about how the Pelicans are looking like yeah we can be the next Suns or Hawks we have this player this player and it's like Chris I, Kyle Lowry's not Chris Paul dog it's it's just not it's not that simple and to go to that point further this is a draft where I think maybe Chris Duarte or Trey Murphy would have been available at 29 a, a year or two ago but now everyone saw Cam Johnson in the playoffs and they're like Oh, so they took, him ele- so they took the, <laughs> the guy that's kind of good at stuff now and has potential to kind of do more stuff. We can take him in the late lottery and some team, I guarantee that one of those guys is going to go in the lottery. And I would not be surprised if both go in the lottery, especially with this class where you're looking at guys like Kuminga, who's an absolute freak athlete, but a wild card with everything in his yeah. game and the good parts of his game are are individual. It's not really team-based stuff. Scotty Barnes is a really great player, but his athleticism's kind of and he can't shoot like at all, Kevin, and he <laughs> might be a top 5 pick and it would be hilarious if the Magic of All Teams took him uh. who needs shooting. Who needed a long, wingy guy. So those kind of guys are hanging around, and teams are like in the big conversation and the big names I'm hearing in in terms of the top uh, draft people like uh, Schmitz, Gavoni, Lowe was talking about it, uh, Woj on his podcast as well, Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer, Jonathan Sharks, Giddy, Wagner, uh, Corey Kispert. Those are kind of the names that are going around right now because those guys have legitimate skills. They can ball. You know what you're getting with them, and there's a little bit less unknown and uncertainty there. So to your point... I do think that one of those five names I think Gideon Wagner going in the lottery every year but maybe a guy like Wagner slips into, into like the late teens, low 20s in some of these drafts but it seems like there's been a course correction the last couple of years where teams are starting to value ready skills right now not in terms of like a directly translating thing just as a we know you're good at this thing kind of kind of deal. Yeah,
1: and the cam johnson thing but even going back to Mikkel, like you saw the defense
0: is going to translate the shot yeah it has translated but he was that player yeah we i want to mention quickly he was a guy that was ranked like mid-teens in that draft when they took him at when he went at 10 that was like a okay that's right around where he was maybe a little bit higher yeah but that's and that's crazy to think because i he was a guy that i had like six or seven i think he was he was he's awesome he was awesome at villanova
1: yeah the cam johnson thing really made people because when that was and that was us too like we're not gonna lie about that like we're like i don't get it and yeah it's uh this dude's ready to be in your rotation and obviously james jones has insight as the like book smart guy who fought his way and wasn't
0: you know a huge prospect himself but and all those guys would I work. mentioned and Cam, they play Sports the Sports
1: management, which I didn't even yeah. put together until we talked about it this postseason, where <laughs> it's just like, oh, James, you're just drafting yourself <laughs> again. But, like, that's fine. Like, if you have that intel and you know that, that's, that's a good pick. And I think if we're looking at the Suns and where this gets interesting is just last year with Jalen Smith, they went against the grain, against what they had done with Ty Jerome and Cam Johnson and all that stuff and so I just think that there's a little more wiggle room where we can start saying, okay, do we see the Suns going against what they usually or What we thought James Jones's trends were, and maybe take a risky guy like Dacian Nix, like a guy who was on that G league ignite team who just is so raw and you have so many questions, but has these specific tools that might help your team, um, With that said, what do you think, if we're not looking at the board, but we're saying what do the Suns need as far as a young guy on a rookie deal, where do you think is priority there?
0: Well, you're looking at Chris Paul's age and you're looking at campaign's uncertainty because he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. Although I will say that there are so many free agent point cards right now that I It would have to take a team that really loves campaign and loves him over some of the other point guards to pay him a lot of money and say like actually we're going to make that guy our starter or even a more important third guard than the Suns view as right now like a guy they're going to give 25 30 minutes a game to I'm not sure if that team is out there but with that being said that could happen. So I look at long term point guard as just like a roster outlook type of thing but I just think that they if possible which again you're at 29 so I doubt it but A long-term point guard who can also be a ball handler in the Langston-Galloway-Etuan-Moore spot, basically. I think they should try and bring both of those guys back, at least one of them. But regardless, you need a more capable player there who can do ball handling stuff. Because I think that was something that bit them in the butt every now and then, which it, it was not a roster construction flaw or anything. It's just every team isn't perfect. And that was the little imperfection in there thing is that they asked Etwan more to do six different things, and he was trying his best to do all different six. But when he kept got getting thrown around, I think it it didn't make him as comfortable as as you thought he would be. Like in that Spurs game when he knew like oh I'm just going to be the scorer, he yeah. went out and scored thirty. Like it's just. It, um, and that kind of thing, but when he's like starting at point guard one game and trying to just get everyone involved, facilitating the offense, he can do all of these things, but you just kind of want someone who is like, okay, you're going to be a dribble man, and, and that's something we we joked a lot about and became a running joke for us uh, from the season. The entire year where the Suns did not have a point guard, we were like, can we get a dribble guy, a dribble? St- <laughs> can someone who can do the dribbling, please? And that's something we talk about with DeAndre, too, in terms of his dribbling, but to that point, I think that's somewhere you can look at, but I genuinely agree with what... Gambo has been has been saying in terms of what the Suns are looking for and that like they are looking at every position and I think you can genuinely look up and down now would a fourth wing in this spot be a a bit audacious considering if there's like another name or there too absolutely you'll find me sitting there and saying well you had this point guard here you had this five here and then you grab this guy who's behind Jay Crowder and Mikel Bridges and uh, Cam Johnson but guess who talked about that when Cam Johnson got picked too? this guy so yeah you can't really go that far into the arguments. I think there are guys that we're going to get into where I legitimately see the two different fives that they would like, which is one who is more physical, rugged, like the Damian Jones kind of archetype that they looked for, and then the more Frank Kaminsky type, which was, again, they didn't bring him in till the end of the year, but uh, Dario's role too, which is more of a playmaking stretch five, a different vibe than DeAndre, and I think that there are guys in that range too that we'll talk about. Yeah, I, I just think the That was the one roster floss
1: and and the the tenuous point guard position um, backup and Chris Paul, even though Chris Paul, even if you say, I'm confident he'll be back, I think you got to look for the future, have a guy there who's going to be locked in on a a relatively small deal. Um, Center, I think you can go out and get one in the free agent market. If I'm just guessing like Aaron Baines could be back out there and you could. Have him for cheap, maybe. I don't know. Even though he's older, um, Dario's not going to be there. Obviously, probably most of the year, if not the entire year, he's going to be recovering from that ACL injury. So, and then you make up a good point about the wings too, though. Like if there's a wing you just love, who's right there? Torrey Craig's going out in the free agent market, maybe. Um, I mean, just because you're going to have to pay all these guys to keep the core together if you run it back um, and extend DeAndre McEl. Like Jay Crowder, he was really important, but if you're going to have to make concessions and keep the core group together, that contract is tradable, I would say, in the next few years. So that's something to think about. So, Long story short, yeah, I I think
0: dribble guy, but it's it's who's there. Let's talk about who could be there. Uh, The way that I look at the draft a lot and how I'm going to be tweeting it again is okay, there are seven teams up until the Suns pick and there are nine of these guys available that I like. So like, it's like, no matter what, at least two of these guys are going to be on the board. And the way to kind of break that down a bit more is this is my opinion based a whole lot on other people's opinion and information and not my own because I I don't know if we said this yet, but I watched seven, eight games of Cade Cunningham during the regular season. I watched about five or six of Mobley. I caught a lot of Jalen Suggs because I just really, really like his game. Saw some Baylor in the tournament. So I caught Davion Mitchell and Jared Butler a bit, caught Tennessee every now and then, Kispert on Gonzaga was playing with Jalen Suggs. But Kev, a whole lot of these guys I've just been introduced to in the last week. I've seen them play maybe one or two games. So I just want to preface that I felt very... Confident and as high as I could make my opinion feel, if that makes sense. With the level of knowledge that I feel like I have about basketball, I could take it to this certain threshold in the past years. In terms, I am not reaching that threshold this year in terms of my information on this class compared to the last couple of years. I wanted to preface Uh, that. I'll preface mine, which is worse than yours, with (laughs) I watched
1: like two minutes of Davion Mitchell like mid year and I was like, oh my God, like, look, looks him up. He's. (laughs) He might fall to the Suns, and now he's like listed eighth on ESPN's rankings because he just shot up. And that's the same funny thing where it's like, oh, he he's short, not very big, but you watch him, and he's so good at defense, he can hit shots. Why wouldn't you draft him in the top ten if you don't have a bunch of stars? The de- the defined skills and potential yes.
0: for more shortcomings be darned.
1: Yeah. So uh, he's out. Uh, I was I was excited that. Ayo Desunmu was not on the green room invite list because I just love how he plays, and I think he'd be super fun. If you can imagine a Kelly Oubre type who's more of a passing... he's I guess you call him a combo guard. He's like the size of a two, but he can make nice reads on pick-and-rolls especially. His shot is a little wonky, but I I loved how he played with his cool black mask um, when he got his nose busted or face busted he's cool but that's all
0: i got he has no, can a cool I, name he has a cool yeah so, so can i go back to the list so yeah. the based off of what i said which is information looking at mock traps the way people are talking about certain ranges and the way we're hearing intel based stuff on where players are liked and stuff i count 19 guys who i would very well bet a lot of money on that will not be available at 29 uh, i'm looking at espn's chart right now, and I think the top 16 of their current board, which ends with uh, Sengun, I'm not sure how to say his name, uh, or 15, sorry, uh, out of Turkey who apparently is delightful and was a monster in the Turkish league, and I can't wait to watch some more of him because it sounds like he'd be my cup of tea. Right after him is Moses Moody at 16 out of Arkansas. That is where I would cut it off and say, okay, Trey Murphy will be gone, Chris Duarte will be gone, and I think Kai Jones from a toolsy level out of Texas is going to be gone as well. But after that, That is where I will put in play pretty much anyone potentially slipping because something I wrote about in my first post where I was opening with a guy like Jared Butler, who ESPN has 23rd and again, ESPN, a mix of their scouting and their Intel as well, but mostly an Intel based board is that. We mentioned Cam Johnson, my all-time example, Kevin, and one that you probably know I'm going to bring up right now when I'm talking about this is Thawne Maker at 10 overall. Oh. Once we get to 7 or 8, Kevin, teams just start taking their dude. Yeah. And we saw it with the Suns at 11, and we're going to see it again in this draft. If you scroll through each draft and you have like a knowledgeable background of where pre-draft rankings were and stuff and where big boards were at, teams, once we get into that mid-to-late lottery, just start taking their dudes. And what can happen is guys can really fall recent example kevin desmond bain was a guy we talked about a lot as a potential guy for the Suns at 11 okay maybe he'll fall to like the late teens early 20s he falls all the way to the end of the first round i believe he was either picked 29 or 30 to going to memphis and then memphis also got xavier tillman at 35 who was another guy who just kind of fell because there were more luscious opportunities elsewhere with potential and upside <laughs> and all that kind of stuff they're like no Xavier Tillman's really good at defense and kind of pass. He plays hard. We'll just grab him and he'll be good for us right away. That's okay with us. Um, I'm I'm shocked, by the way, to hear that Memphis is like the team that might go after like Giddy or Wagner. Like they're not up there looking at Keon Johnson or Kuminga slipping or something like that or Moses Moody. It's like, no, they're looking for the ball players ready right now. So with that in mind, a guy like Jared Butler especially with the injury concerns, I think that he could slip to the Suns of 29. Is it, a, is it a real legitimate possibility? Don't think so. Very small chance of it happening, but that's where we start to get into some other names. So I think where we should start and then go from there in terms of looking at this as a prospect list and the guys who are most important to bring up, we should scroll through here and see who is a James Jones guy, who is someone who has a couple years of experience, who is someone who, like I said, they have a couple of clear, defined things that they are good at and maybe one that they're really good at. They have a couple of flaws, but those flaws are, are a little bit more minimal. Like for Cam Johnson, minimal was his athleticism, but it was coming off the hip stuff. And I think that plus the amount of work that he put in and strength and development really helped him. Um, and, and that kind of stuff, like being a tweener or, or whatever. Uh, is there anyone that stands out to you? You mentioned Dosumu. He's a three-year player out of Illinois at point guard. Butler is a three-year player out of there. Um, anyone else? Um, as far as the more experienced guys or just anyone else? As a James Jones guy, I mean, there could be a one or a two year player here that still seems James Jonesy to you for sure. I mean, does Butler, I think Butler is a James Jones guy.
1: I feel like he'll be off the board by then, but he also has the size concerns and
0: that kind of stuff. Um, had the medical issue too, where he wasn't able to play, didn't get cleared at first and then later got cleared. That could make his stock a little volatile.
1: Yeah, so I think he's one of those, and then after that, like, not really. I, I It's it's a little light. I think Ayo is kind of the James Jones thing, too. I don't know. I don't know. He He's kind of one of those where it's like his energy and stuff, you could say you like it, or it's kind of like too... Not sporadic's the right word, but just like up and down and maybe like take too many risks that kind of thing but i don't know like that's why i was saying the jalen smith thing threw me for a loop because i
0: don't really know why they made that pick especially um which is where we'll get to other guys but uh dosumu 20 points a game comes out of illinois as a freshman and a sophomore as a guy who you could look at and potentially go in the first round he keeps coming back to school Comes out after his junior year, winning the Bob Cousy Award, best point guard in the nation. Shoots forty nine percent from the field on fifteen attempts per game. Scores twenty a game. Shoots thirty nine percent from three, albeit on two point nine attempts per game. Six rebounds, five assists. Six foot ten, six ten wingspan. Combo at both spots. A little bit. Slow is the wrong word for a lot of these guys. There's just a lot of guys in this range who lack explosion in their athleticism. Like Bones Highland out of ECU is a guy who's been mocked to the Suns a lot. There's just not explosion to his athleticism. Like Miles McBride is a guy who has explosion in his athleticism. Dosumu does not... But with that in mind, he, he's one of those guys where I watch. You mentioned uh, Daishan Nix in the G League night. It's like, ooh, you need two years to learn how to do what you're supposed to be doing with your athletic profile. Yeah. is already doing the change of pace stuff, opening up passing angles with the way that he moves around the court. He really understands how to use his size and his strength in, in a beneficial way. Five free throw attempts per game was nice to see that improve from his sophomore to his junior year. Um, and and is just a guy as a combo. I think the only worry for me, Kevin, is the combo word because I think you're bringing him in as more of a point guard. You've got to bring him. They've got to bring him in, or just have some sort of read on his jumper being ready. Because I think that's the James Jones part I go to immediately. Is that I, I don't think he's going to bring anyone in where they have jumper concerns, and and he that's maybe his first or second red flag. Yeah, I,
1: it's weird because like the mid range looks awful. But also, if he's spot
0: shooting, I could see selling it. Um, That's Lonzo. That's Lonzo territory. Yeah. Set shot, money. Everything else, run for cover. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. Like,
1: that is one of the things we can still say is a James Jones thing, right? Like, shot needs to be wet. Like, Jalen Smith still falls in that category. Um, And I don't know. I just think that they need to be a little more aggressive as far as finding a dynamic guy who maybe has those flaws, but you can, you, you feel good about coaching him and molding and shaping him to play alongside Book and Chris Paul because I think we we can talk about this in a little bit, but just where this franchise is and how much money it's about to spend, they need to hit on this pick if they're moving up or down even. They need to hit on a pick this year, because it's going to be great value I think like I said I think there are lots of dudes who will be NBA players for a long while in this range but you can't miss this so if you get a guy is it going to be like all right Javon Carter could play pesky defense could shoot really well he had a great season but Monty didn't play him in those playoffs because he's a major liability at that size and just can't provide dribble stuff so I think they need to find the balance of yeah finding that guy who can play right away play with two guys and also fits into your long-term plans that's a lot that's asking a lot for especially the 29th spot but i think you do your research you can find that guy and again it depends who falls let me
0: give you my three dribble guys yeah two of them are actual dribble guys third guy not so sure if he's a dribble guy but he's enticing My Grant Riller Award winner for, (laughs) I am going to put his last name and put Hive after it, and now the DiVincenzo Hive, the Riller Hive. Welcome to the Reeves Hive, Kevin. I love Austin Reeves out of Oklahoma. I don't know if I would have hated him if I would have watched 12 more games, which is part of what's so exciting and random about scouting this way and watching guys in a week's time and getting a little bit too caught up in what I see from only a couple of games as opposed to maybe a dozen more. Uh, But Austin Reeves is a four-year player went to Oklahoma, spent two years at Wichita State, transferred to Oklahoma, sat out a year, and then played his last two years at Oklahoma. I described him as a basketball maverick in my (laughs) Arizona sports write-up because he will do whatever he feels is necessary at pretty much any point. And the fun part about that is that he is capable of doing it. He is a very good passer and reader of the floor. And to go back to the Dosumu point, It becomes even more obvious when you're watching a a good team now in terms of guys understanding their flow and their style and that kind of thing, because Reeves is just downhill all the time and super-duper aggressive with the ball, just uh, relentlessly attacks the ball, the basket. He nearly took seven free throws per game. He shot 86.5% at the line, which is excellent, and he just understands where his options are after his first or second dribble. Like if a guy gets to his spot, he's like, okay, it's time to beat you with one or two more dribbles and take a herky-jerky 12-footer or take a step-back 20-footer. And he has a lot of just comfort within his game and ability to score in those situations and pass as well. 4.6 assists per game this year after three a game last year and even on a roll on a wichita state team i did not go back and I, this is again talking about what i would and i would have gone back and watched him a couple of games at wichita state wasn't able to do that but in 21 minutes a game for wichita state he averaged two assists per game so he, he was a guy who only took 5.7 shots per game for wichita state but had the assist going there so that tells me there were, that he was running some stuff there too or at least was making the right pass a lot of times which is where that checkbox goes the big wild card on him, Kevin, was just in terms of decision-making and then that affecting his efficiency because he's really wild and out of control. 38% field goal percentage in his first year at Oklahoma. Got it up to 44.3% this year with a shot more per game. Only 126 though, so it wasn't like this incredibly high usage guy. 30.5% from three this year after 259 the year before. The interesting part, Kevin, was that free throw percentage I mentioned, Career 84.4%, three-point free throw shooter, which many can shake your head at. The interesting wrinkle, again, wish I could have gone back and watched some Shockers (laughs) basketball, but can't do it. 42.5% from three on 3.8 attempts per game for Wichita State. Yes, I said 5.7 attempts total. So he took more than half of his shots from three for Wichita State. Looks like he was used as more of strictly a floor spacer, and he was a knockdown guy. Watching the games I watched, it was just a whole lot of pull-ups and a lot of messy stuff like that, where it's like just... You would be so you much. You can better. be Trey Young, sir, yeah. is what they told him to, get yeah, him to and, go there. And, and he was like, Yes, please. I <laughs> I would love to be Trey Young. And the Suns are going to be like, you need to be some other person with Can you be <laughs> Thad Young, some other young that's not Trey Young, please. Um that's what a team that's gonna draft him, any team that drafts him is gonna have his role go back a bit, and that's where I think the three point percentages will go up. Uh, the turnovers only three a game with everything that I was saying that's crazy. That's a little bit high, of course, but 4.6 turnovers. There's some guys that were in here that have negative assist to turnover ratios and that kind of stuff. He's not that type of guy. But the number one thing that's keeping him out of the first round, I think, will ultimately keep him out of the first round. If a team like the Suns doesn't take him, he's six five. Probably should be a point guard if he's any position, but he's way too slow to guard point guards, and I think he might be okay to survive on shooting guards, but you would like to see him on threes, but he's 6'5", 205, so that's just not happening. Uh, So the rare guard tweener, Kevin, in terms of his physical profile, but I I really like him um, in terms of a dribble guy who can just, in the Grant Riller mold and Dante mold, again, of like just a lot of offensive skill, to his game in this kind of range of the draft, to quickly go over the last two guys, Jason Preston out of Ohio is is super easy to get through. Very tall, very slow, incredibly smart on the floor. Just reads it super well and can really pass. And he's got good floaters, good finishing, good pull-up shooting as well. Not really that terrible. Um, and just all around, just like offensive game was really there. But he's legitimately like, is he too unathletic to survive in the NBA? Like even a step or two worse than Reeves. But I think that just his point guard skills in general are, are very valuable. Quentin Grimes out of Houston was someone that Gambo mentioned on the radio yesterday. Former five-star recruit out of Kansas. Goes to Houston and he arrives at Kansas as a guy who, a five-star recruit. You think like he can do a lot of different things see what he can turn into Is he a primary scorer, this kind of thing. Nope, he goes to Houston, plays on a really good defensive team, gets really good on-ball defense developed there, and hits 40% of his threes on over eight attempts per game. And the fascinating thing about that and why I mentioned that path and why it's relevant, you wonder, like, oh, can some of those parts of his game that weren't developed because Houston just tried to turn him into a a good, decent player, can those come out now in the draft? And as a guy who's on the first round bubble, 6'5", 6'8", wingspan, Um, not a lot of pop to his game elsewhere, but you wonder if it develops there beyond just being a three and D two guard. You would need to play him with book or Chris Paul or another ball handler, but I mentioned this specific team. You could maybe make an exception with him. And again, another guy, either a three or either a three or four year player. So the experience is there for sure.
1: I'm going to throw a few names at you. Yep. One that's been linked, I think to the Suns just because he, his profile kind of rose his freshman year is Jaden Springer out of Tennessee. Yeah. Um, to run off a few numbers, he kind of started not as a starter and got 15 starts in and 25 games played. Took on a bigger role as the season went on. 12.5 points, 2.9 assists, 2.4 turnovers, a steal, shot 47% and 44% on threes, but only 1.8 out of total nine attempts. shots. Yeah. So yeah. very selective, but a... An efficient dude, not a high assist point guard, but... Um, loves, big, loves defense. Yes. He's a bigger... But I don't know. He's like the size of a combo. Like, he's a thick point guard. I like that he kind of has enough shake to, like, squeeze through, even though he's a big dude. That's a really good point, yeah. But he's not a super great athlete. So, there's enough there where it's like, all right, this guy, I don't know like Kyle Lowry but he already has the Kyle Lowry old Kyle Lowry like size um, but maybe a little bigger Kyle what Lowry if, without the shot making is a really good call yeah what do you think about him I, I like
0: his like you said on defense his his stuff there and his effort is good if I had to make If I were to cut out those top five guys, which I think I'm going to try and do here, or top 19 guys and make a top five big board right now, he would be on it for sure. He only a one-year player and a freshman, and he played on a very talented Tennessee team. Keon Johnson's teammates probably going to go ahead of him in the draft. But as a guy, again, he could slip through the cracks and wind up being there at 29. And I think he's you're right on the money, but I just wonder in terms of can you hand him the offense and trust him to run the offense, which
1: is... Very young kid, yeah.
0: If this team, I think uh gambo again mentioned yesterday Dep Dep is the thing that they're looking for with this pick is he just a developmental spot where you can just and again if you're looking for him to be a defense guy and an attack the basket guy that's kind of what you're getting with javon but floor spacing instead so i wonder if there's redundancy in terms of today's roster but i love the point guard upside on him so he would be on the list in terms of value but i'm not i'm not exactly 100 sure on fit but i okay i like him at 29 i'm staying on the point guardy types trey man thoughts so sam vicini wrote us uh, two posts on the athletic where he outlined the skill sets and was like here are the five best guys five best floaters in this draft because f- you say all the time this guy's one of the best shooters yeah. sam was like i'll list the five guys for <laughs> you actually which is a really smart idea um trey man he had number one i believe for pull-up shooting and number two for floaters interestingly enough kevin he went on my post from today on wednesday which was upside picks two-year player as you can tell by those two things developed offensive games so you're wondering like what like upside what do you need to develop like his point guard stuff i think is i use this analogy with kyra lewis a lot in terms of grading out how balanced he was and using letter grades like his floor general passing stuff is like c minus c it's 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 fine for college it's okay it will need a lot of work to run an offense even in a second unit at times there and then defensively there were a lot of guys Kevin, i watched defensively in this where i was like oh god <laughs> but, but again defense is one of those things you can watch and it just takes the right kind of commitment buy-in technique taught that kind of stuff so you don't want to grade a guy too lowly just because the defense wasn't that great um i Another guy that – I don't know where all the amazing athletes are in this, Kevin. I guess they're in the lottery, and that's why we're – again, yeah. I'm talking about players versus athletes. There's not a, a ton of amazing athletes in this draft, and I think is a big reason why Josh Christopher is probably going to still go in the first round. But he's a guy I watched where I was like, man, like it, I made this analogy with De'Ron Sharp or, or just this point. If he was like 20% more athletic, he'd be a lottery pick. And same thing with Trey Mann. Just not enough explosiveness to where he will – Pretty much be relying on floaters until he figures out to be a super crafty finisher of the field there because he can't really explode into guys and finish. So but I like him. I like uh, same yeah. Jaden Springer point. Yeah, I, he'd make the five. Any other guards you want to talk about? Like Miles McBride is someone we should bring up. Yeah, he took nearly half of his shots on pull up twos, but the Suns love those. Kellen.
1: <laughs> Not everyone can do that they need guys who can get to the rim like the campaign role that's again the AO thing with me is like i i just need that on this team just that's one thing this team needs more
0: people think about pull-up twos weirdly too in that context it's like you're thinking about a guy who just is a chucker why is he pulling up from two because he can't get to the basket as often too six two six nine wingspan really good three-point shooter kev can pull up can catch and shoot defensive menace wouldn't you know from West Virginia does that stuff just all over the place there's clips of him where it's like he's not giving a guy an inch it's wild he's he's great a little bit of passing there too I would actually say he's a better point guard right now than Trey Mann is in terms of that kind of stuff so you look at that with the buckets we're talking about again I can sit here and scoff at long twos and all that stuff but a guy who can score as well I just think the combination of skills and what he's ultimately good at isn't it, it would take refinement which is if they took him I wouldn't be surprised at all because they would be like okay no middies, but you're gonna just attack the rim like crazy. You're gonna watch what Javon does, and then just do your point guard stuff too. And then yeah. we're chilling. Yeah, I think he's the only other guy, though, Kevin. And I'm looking around. Bones Highland is someone that a, a few people like. Zona Hoops, our friend, he he likes him as well. I I look at the profile. He weighs about a buck sixty, Kevin. <laughs> which. Yeah. I remember when we freaked out about De'Aaron Fox and, and that argument, but he does not really... A, a, he's not a, a, that athlete. He's no certainly that not athlete, that athlete. But... And then defensively as well, there's a lot of work. But again, if they look at that guard spot on the, in depth and all that kind of stuff and just say, we just want a floor spacer and someone who can score, that's the number one guy on on your board for sure. But, I mean, that's that's pretty much it for me, Kevin. I, I think I listed uh, one or two other. I mentioned Nick, so I mean, we kind of just gave it away there. He's two years away. Yeah. But if you want to have a Jalen Lequeux type of deal where you take that kind of guy in the late first round and just say, we are going to develop the crap out of you for a year or two, a la what they did with Jalen Smith, basically. Let's talk about Shreve Cooper to end this section. We should, yeah. we should talk about him. Yeah. He headlined my oddballs post, which is like, here are a bunch of weird dudes who are in this range (laughs) because they're weird. Sharif Cooper is a six-foot point guard. I'm going to use air quotes on the six-foot-tall part, Kev. Uh, Six-foot-tall point guard. I haven't seen all the passers in this draft, Kevin. He's got to be the best. He throws lobs where I'm like, dude, you're 5'10". How are you seeing that? What on earth is... What is going on there? And his handle is great. And he's not really... You know how Isaiah Thomas was the kind of guy where it, you watched him? He reminds me of Isaiah Thomas a lot, and he clearly like was uh, idolized him in some senses with the way that he plays. Isaiah Thomas wouldn't get past guys, but he would get through guys. Yeah, That's how he dribbles. And it, his handle is so good that it's just completely fine if the defense is a little bit closer than it should be. And Isaiah Thomas vibes took over eight free throws a game. He was one of one, twenty freshmen in in Sports References database that took over eight attempts from uh, eight free throw attempts per game. Half of those guys are like top five picks, strong. Michael Beasley, Ben Simmons. Huh. You go further back, Sharif Abdul-Rahim, and Allen Iverson. Like good you're, college players, you're getting yes. in that range of like really good college players. He can't shoot, Kev. He shoots twenty three percent from three on over four attempts per game. You think that number is uh, not that great? Click on our story and watch the couple of clips of his jumper. He like leans back, barely jumps. It's really weird and completely needs to be reworked. And then another guy where defense was a was a big thing for me. So with all that in mind, he is the number one point guard that could potentially be available for them without a doubt in my mind. But he's actually he's a freshman. He would be a developmental pick, I think. In that regard, you'd need to. You they're not going to play a guy who can't shoot, Kevin. Like they're just not going to do that at guard. So I think that you, I, I really would. It would be really difficult to pass on him at twenty nine. They also shouldn't take a guy who can't shoot. But his playmaking and like he could impact a team right away with his passing because it's that good. Yeah, man. I mean, if you are taking four threes a game, though.
1: Is there a chance not that that's a free really throw shooting way. numbers are good. I should yeah. say that. I mean, I, I, that's a stupid way for me to say it, but it's like, if he's that confident that he's going to get it right to me, that says he might get better. I don't know, but that was a good point, And I, I liked your article about him just because the Isaiah Thomas thing makes you understand how he can survive being that small
0: because isaiah thomas top five player in the league for a season off that stuff like yeah if you can get to the line and finish your contact at the rim no matter how big you are if you figure it out at your size and that's the profile i'm talking about like dribble stuff i love dribble stuff oh big dribble stuff guy um so i think those are three names man cooper springer who are maybe outside of the mold in terms of their freshman sophomore a little younger they have clear development spots that need to be addressed but value could potentially slip not as seasoned, but are definitely options for sure. The big men that might be
1: around this are super interesting. I love them. You love
0: our Seton Hall guy. We sure do. What's his name? Kev Sandro. M- I don't know how to say. Mamu Kellishvili. How dare you! Mamu it's Kalashvili. either Vili or Vili uh, or Veli. I can't. Cannot get this down. Okay. I've well, heard it various ways, but Mamu Kellishvili okay, is. Let's what I'm go going through with. a few before we get in depth. Him.
1: Dayron Sharp, JT Thor, and then I'll throw at you. I don't think you touched him. I don't know how to say his name either. Nemius Queta from Utah State, Kata. Yeah. More
0: way, super traditional 80s center. Who can pass kind of? Large man who can kind of pass a bit. Stationary fella. Okay. Tree. I just think like all these Not guys like are super... like a tree like Zavion Co- Zavon Collins and Isaiah Simmons. Those <sighs> are fast trees. He's a slow okay, tree. A slow tree. <laughs> I really love that I can make that a joke. fast when, like, tree. Seven people who heard that Cardinals quote he was understand was fast I mean. tree and driving through Scottsdale, just but anyway. <laughs> different kind of trees, Kev. They're just different kind of trees. Oh, yeah, that kind of tree, too. Someone I didn't mention who was on the cutting room floor of names to mention, Isaiah Jackson out of Kentucky is a guy who could slip, but in terms of measurables, rim running, diving five, protect the rim, switchable center dude, athlete, how you doing? Like a Mitchell Robinson kind of, why were you available at 35 kind of deal? <laughs> that could be Isaiah Jackson out of Kentucky. I don't think the Suns would be really interested in that because you're developing him to be a backup anyway, yeah. um, but I just wanted to mention him. Who popped for you out of those like guys that you were reading about uh, in in the post that I wrote up? Or you tell just me about Sandra more, just because I had no idea about him. This would be legitimately shocking, and I think the Suns would get blasted if they took him at twenty nine. To be oh, fair, oh yeah, for sure. He is ranked in I believe the sixties for ESPN, The Athletic. Um, Sam Bassini was a bit higher on him, and a bit with me in terms of having him in the forties. I think that's fair. Thirties, forties, somewhere in there. Uh, but Mamu Kelishvili is a guy where you look at his profile, you look at his height, you look at what he's known, you read about him, you see the stats, and you know you visualize the type of player you're going to see. And then, and this might be the part where I'm just getting a little bit biased and love him. But you watch him, and you're like, oh, you can move. You watch yeah. clips of him, and he can move. Six ten, seven foot one wingspan, playmaking center. But you watch him kind of move around the floor, and. If you were watching at a weird camera angle or you're just turning on the game for the first time and have no idea who he is, you would probably think that he was a wing when you watched him just move around the court with the ball at least. And then you would see him stand next to someone and you're like, how big is that guy? What? Um, The thing that I like about him the most is that he has that sort of playmaking to his game and it's just, it's really good. But I think that there's an Austin Reeves kind of correlation here that I want to draw, which is that I think Seton Hall was like, please try and beat, like, I don't know, Zion or something or whatever the equivalent is of a playmaking five in today's NBA. Please be a superstar for us and in a superstar role. He averaged 17.5 points per game as a senior, so a four-year player, by the way. Uh, 7.5 rebounds a game, 3.2 assists per game, 3.3 turnovers per game, Kevin, yeah. which is where I get to that point of trying to do too much in that kind of role where he's handling the ball, grabbing and going at every single time, only shot 43.4% from the field after 54% last year. So I'm assuming the jump from 8.8 shots per game to 14.3 is usage. His shot attempts nearly doubled. I would assume less at the rim, more pull-up jumpers, more pull-up threes. This is a guy is taking a lot of pull-up threes. A career 34% three-point shooter. Interesting to note in terms of, again, not being able to watch. Wish I could have went back and watched him last year, Kevin, because last year, 43.4% on threes on 2.7 attempts per game. This year... attempts per game down to 34%. You watched a lot of them. There are a lot of pull-ups at the line as well, not encouraging 66%. But I think that he's a guy that I watch and you watch how Frank plays and survives in the NBA. I imagine that on steroids essentially (laughs) where this guy can legitimately move and you can use him as a diver because Frank is a diver. He's so slow that the defense can just recover to him anyway, but this guy can actually get there in time. He can grab and go at a speed where defenses would have to react to him. And there was a clip that I showed in the in the in the piece where they used him as like a short roller and he kicked it out to the corner immediately. And I was like, that's how you yeah. use that guy. And he could be really valuable in the NBA as an offensive weapon. He has to play at the five because he's a little bit slow. The quickness doesn't really translate that much to defense, which is and laterally, which is a bit of a concern, and not a rim protector. So that's what we're talking about here at this stage. But I really really like his game and just look at the Frank role as specifically and say, look, if you're looking up and down this class and you don't like these prospects and all the guys that we just talked about, the Jared Butler's, the Dosumu's Grimes, even guys we haven't talked about yet. Maybe they like Joel Ayayi out of Gonzaga. Maybe they liked, um, Kessler Edwards out of Pepperdine, who is basically be James Jones pointing at his, um, doppelganger again and just picking him again. Um, if those guys are gone and you're just looking at a role on your team, depth, we need someone there. Just grab the Frank guy and a little bit of creativity instead of the traditional banger five that they're probably going to bring in as a veteran, veteran's minimum for agency. Yeah. Bring in my boy, my boy Mamu Kelishvili. Sandro. There's my pitch. Mamou Kelishvili. Yeah. I did it. Played at Montverde Academy, by the way. Didn't know that until looking Powerhouse. at this. Powerhouse. Born in Georgia. Not the state. Not the, the state. Country. If you had guessed by the name. I can't wait to watch them in summer league, whatever team is on. Oh, I just can't wait! I just can't wait! I'm so excited. We missing anyone? Anyone you want to? Yeah, we shouldn't really dive into. It. We're we're kind of going a bit long here, which is to be expected. Because I a we're deep there's a part all. of my heart I like to deny it, Kevin. But I love talking about the draft. Either way, it's always going to be there, even if I make jokes about having to watch it all the time. In the past, we love it. Daron Sharp, I would just say go watch, go read the words on ArizonaSports.com because we shouldn't spend another four or five minutes on a guy, but clear upside to him as a less, I think one of the comps that NBA, the Ringers NBA draft guide had was Rashawn Holmes. He's not as explosive as Rashawn Holmes, but as quick as him, yeah, for sure. Uh, again, to the point on going from tears of athletes Kevin from Frank Kaminsky to Mamu Kelichvili to De'Ron Sharp in terms of like quickness and explosion on rolls and dives to the rim he explodes on those and he just is relentless 3.3 offensive rebounds per game on like 19 minutes a game so gnaws on glass is the way that I put it Uh, is someone that could be really interesting for them as like just a guy to play 10 15 minutes right away and like a reverse mantras here roll is there any kind of grab bag guys that come out to you what we should i don't even want to spend i don't even want to mention jt thor again he's so raw that i would <laughs> i don't want to say what i would like proclaim i would do if they had the sons actually took him but i would be absolutely shocked do you want to make a josh christopher case <laughs> <laughs> not r-
1: no i don't want to i like if you send to the thunder and just yeah. do what you did with that other asu guy just get it over with.
0: It's all, not playing until he plays defense. In the third year of this segment, the Aaron Holiday test, where Aaron Holiday went in the first round, and me and you looked around the room and were like, what? We watched that guy in college. He didn't look like an NBA player, and he actually looks like he could kind of be something in the NBA, so it's kind of funny that it's turned out that way, but that's kind of our point in terms of we've seen this guy play in college enough, and never once did we look at him like he was an NBA prospect. You had to look at Josh Christopher like that because he had so much hype out of high school. When I watched him, I was like, the NBA guy is Marvin Marvin Bagley. Or not Marvin Bagley. Sorry, Marcus Bagley. Marcus Bagley. His brother. Yeah. Marcus was the clear NBA prospect. And Josh was like, you you have athleticism, sure. but To
1: tie this back up to where we were talking about how draft prospects have changed. He's Stanley Johnson to me with less of a good college career even. No,
0: that's that's a good comparison. And it's
1: just... Like, what are you really good at? Stanley Johnson wasn't really good at anything. He could D-up LeBron and had a great series once
0: in the playoffs, but... It was a big red flag to me that all this stuff we heard about, like, how much of a competitor he is, how much of a winner he is, all these, like, intangible things, they didn't really pop for me on the court really that much at all. I just saw a dude who liked to shoot.
1: Yes, and that's the problem. So if you don't realize that, then you're gonna have to be put in a
0: really good position I, I think he can have a good career and stuff i'm not i mentioned 19 guys interestingly enough Zaire williams out of stanford is at 28 on espn's board so maybe he could be there i didn't even think he was yeah. a, i would i would include him in that 19 to make him 20. i wanted to watch him and i went to the stanford asu game for work and he was
1: i don't remember what happened to him he's interesting he, he he's shoot tw- the. Sh- <laughs> supposedly he didn't though oh yeah
0: oh man well we'll go find that one I, i'm going to ask you about him just as uh, in the off chance that you saw him he's super toolsy because i wanted to mention joshua primo really quick out of alabama as a loose extension of the Trey man jaden springer kind of group that you were talking about because i compared him to Mckel bridges a bit and the write-up i did because he's a guy where if he stayed in school for a year or two i think he's a lottery pick but he just came out right now We've finally found someone who's got good measurables, is an okay athlete at least, and can shoot. There's so many guys in this draft and in past drafts who have the measurables in the wingspan, have like have a good body on them, can move a little bit. Like he's not an explosive athlete, but he can move a bit. But they can't shoot. Like no one can shoot yet. I don't understand. <laughs> like don't aren't you young kiddos watching what the NBA is doing? If we have a future NBA player listening to our podcast right now, and you're like 13. Get those threes up in the corner right now in the gym. Let's get going here because Joshua Primo started doing it when he was 13 and he's a knockdown shooter right now who is the ultimate flash guy. You watch him and you're like, ooh, there's a flash of playmaking. Ooh, there's a flash of him being like a really good defender one day. A lot of that is flash stuff, but he's got the knockdown shooting to where you could actually conceivably play him in stretches just because he can shoot and he's a smart, hardworking player. So I think if there was one freshman or sophomore that is a james jones guy i would say it's him i also think he's going to be off the board by the time they're at 29 i won't guarantee it but i think he will be i think there's going to be a team in the low to mid 20s that falls in love with him i've seen denver a couple of places that makes a ton of sense denver always gets those guys always anyone else I, I, wow. I know we just ran through like 20 names and we we probably didn't name the guy the Suns are going to draft. We probably. tried our best. We really did try our best. Hopefully it's someone that we at least know exists. But I don't know, man. We're at the back end of the first round, so anything could go down. I don't think they're taking Luca Garza, but I I think oh. outside of that, we're good to go. I'm just My dad through. would be super excited as an Iowa person. Did McKinley Wright pass the holiday test for you? You know what?
1: He did for me. He's... I I saw him listed like when I before we came in there I'm like I don't know like undersized like how much
0: worse than Jared Butler is he is that a is that a hot take he's worse he's worse (laughs) but he's worse but exactly I wasn't trying to uh demean your point so I 30 seconds since we kind of divulged him and made it interesting mckinley wright came to colorado in his freshman year and i was like oh this guy's just going to be a huge problem for my wildcats for the next couple of years because he's very good and then just kind of stagnated a little bit but over his college career because i can say that interestingly enough here are his points per game over his career 14 13 14 and 15 so he was just kind of rock solid consistent for four straight years so his yearly averages 14.2 points per game shot 47 percent from the field 33 percent from three on three attempts per game almost four free throws a game at 80 percent five rebounds five assists 2.8 turnovers, so nearly a two to one turnover ratio over the course of his whole career and that includes 5.5 to 2.9 as a freshman got the turnovers down to 2.1 uh as a senior a steal a game was passable is he's passable at a lot of things i guess yeah i don't it's one of those things like he's
1: not a great three-point shooter he had one pretty good season like tj mcconnell could you could bucket him under this where it's just like all right pretty steady very well respected elite guard guy and then he goes to the nba and he just you don't realize like oh he's actually pretty athletic oh he actually is good at scoring and keeping people honest and the passing translates and the defensive effort translates so i think he might fall into that category where it's just like we didn't get enamored with his dunks or his shooting or anything, but he can carve out a career. So I think definitely I get what you're saying as far as he's he's a guy who I, I think could
0: stick. We should go because I want to mention one more guy before we go, but we should go because I'm looking at like I'm finding three to four wings three to four year wings everywhere in the 60 to 100 range of this (laughs) NBA draft ranking on ESPN. It's stressing me out that they're going to take someone we have no idea who they are. Uh, Herbert Jones out of Alabama was a guy that I just watched Colin Sexton for and Alabama had uh, had guys before where you would you would keep an eye out for him and he was like, I I like that guy's game and he and he had like clear NBA traits, but he just stayed in school, which which he should have done and just was never a shooter He took under a three a game for his first three years at Alabama, and then in his fourth year took one and a half a game, shot 35%, but is just one of those rock-solid, makes plays everywhere. I think the one thing that I would want to see out of him is that his field goal percentage is is only at 44.6%. Herbert Jones, by the way, small forward, 6'8", 210 out of Alabama, four-year player, took nine shots a game this year, which was up for him from six, but he only shot 45%. And for his kind of profile as a guy who doesn't shoot – and and gets to the line a fair bit four free throws a game each of the last two years you would have hoped that he was just like a really good finisher rather the rim, kind of like Mikel is not really seeing that from his shot profile but seven rebounds a game three assists per game a block two steals a game kevin like just fills up the box score and again like if there's a if you consider a guy where you have questions about his jumps out in the dosumu camp i i think herbert jones is a guy who i really like as a, as a glue wing for sure for them glue wing glue wing Inventing terms, 2 point8 turnovers a game though is, is the other part I, I didn't mention, but you know, it's okay, Herbert. We all can't be perfect.
1: No one is.
0: So who uh, so to close out, we kind of spoiled it a bit there. I kind of mentioned a couple for me. You've got Dosumu as a guy for you in the top five, obviously. I think minor are the three that we mentioned, which would be man, Springer, and I'm blanking on the third but uh jared butler and dosumu are, are i think in there primo primo sorry primo yeah so i think kind of those five guys really stand out to me and then after that that's where my hives start to come in the reeves hive the Mama michelashvili <laughs> hive like absolutely signed me up uh we didn't talk about joel Ayayi but he's in the herbert jones camp of just solid all-around player where you can see the defensive versatility doing little things on winning teams kind of stuff for sure Quentin Grimes, right in there for me. But uh, who stands out to you besides Dosumu out of that group? Oh, man.
1: I think I have Butler in there. Yeah. I don't know, man. I I just think that the, the safe thing to do is guy who does the right thing and guy who shoots. And you really, really, again, want the guy who can beat someone off the dribble.
0: Repeat those two things again. Shooting. And do the right screw thing.
1: Up, plays hard. Doesn't screw up. Yeah. Like that's that's the basic formula where you get a guy that you know you can play. Cause I think that's the big thing, right? I think Cam Johnson obviously they saw something more in him than we did, and everyone who analyzed the draft did. But like he was also a really good shooter. Like he
0: was considered the best shooter, even if he was overdrafted i think in that draft the draft is a mess kevin because cam johnson was the best shooter in his draft and he is underwhelmed i would argue significantly in his nba career so far that i mean that happens sometimes uh in in that regard like he i think he should already be a guy who's way north of 40 at this point with how good of a shooter that i know that he is but it happens early in your rookie career but arguably his biggest weakness kevin is his biggest strength which is his athleticism now because he can guard four positions now somehow that happens, and is like the fastest guy on the team outside of campaign probably which Street, you never yeah. saw in north carolina at least i never saw i don't know yeah i mean they got drafts be weird yo it's
1: fun that's why we yeah. like to give young men the opportunity to play basketball professionally and see what happens
0: so mcbride's kind of in there if you can take away the long okay. two smart yeah smarty guy you, the, that's why i asked you to repeat the two things D- don't screw up hit shots butler okay. yeah dosumu I, I like think Jaden Springer is kind of in there if you believe okay. in the jumper. I think he's kind of in there. I forgot what his jumper looks like, but I did watch videos of him. And Jason Preston's terrible. in there, but you might need to like add rocket boosters or naws on him <laughs> to get him on defense. But
1: see, like Jaden Springer has athleticism where it's like he's not a great explosive athlete, but it's like oh, he knows how to get through holes, even though he's not the fastest dude. Stuff like that, where it's like I can, I can buy that functionality
0: functionality is good Cole's wicker was a gem for us to read about and some smart front office snagged him up rightly so but he always talked about like how functional of an athlete is and how their movement is Evan Mobley is like the best guy that I've ever seen at that since Cole started talking about that stuff I love Evan Mobley by the way I think he's number one in this class interesting that's my hot take Um, but he's he's another one where it's like you know how to move yeah it's important it is important indeed. What else is important is what you guys are going to be able to hear right when this is up, because as this goes live, uh, we're about 20 minutes away. Robert Sarver is going to be joining Burns and Gambo for three segments, and I wanted to mention that because Guy may hop on uh, every now and then for uh, 10 too. minutes. Um, maybe once or twice a year somewhere else, you'll see him pop up in terms of talking about the basketball team strictly. But Burns and Gambo is going to get him on for three segments right before the off season, so I don't know if you're a Suns fan, I don't know why you wouldn't want to listen to that. Just search Burns and Gambo on your podcast feeds, and they'll pop up somewhere. It'll also be on ArizonaSports.com. And I wanted to mention that because in case he says something wild that we need to come back and pot about, we will later tonight in terms of something that drastically changes. But if not, we're recording this Wednesday. We will be back. Do you want to pot Thursday night? The draft will happen. Kevin nodded, Yeah, people. Kevin nodded. Yeah, we'll be we'll be there. We we've done it now five six years in a row now. Why not make it six or seven, whatever year in a row it is in terms of the post the the draft night pod? It'll go better than the one where I stood here for twenty minutes with Cole and was like, "Dude, what Cam Johnson? What can help Cole?" And Cole was like, "I don't know, man. I don't get it either. <laughs> We're both dumb." All right, I'll go edit that bad word I said out of the.
1: <laughs> I hope podcast. you I hope you I hope I do.
0: I hope you do and I hope you bleep it or try and keep it in but if you don't then Kevin said a bad word not me. That was like plus 350. <laughs> See if is, you can um, go through amazing. our podcast and find it. Yeah. Amazing cuz I I think that's the first time you've done that. I've done that too. Oh many times. yeah. It's a mind blank here. I'd need like a uh, hand transplant of like four more hands I to also be able to count that many times. I also thought you were looking at me like
1: Zaire Williams can, cannot shoot. Dude. And I was like, <laughs> "What?" didn't
0: you just when did you get back I know from hawaii didn't that great <laughs> when did you get back from hawaii late last night <laughs> so like less than 12 hours ago basically yeah All Right now eh, like 16 18 hours i've ago.
1: got it it's been a rough day it's
0: how was it fun, how was it bud go on vacation it's important to do getting there in mid-august but uh oof, hope we're good in mid-august we'll be fine you sh- you deserve it thanks Let's buddy it. i will do it and, and we will do it we'll be back uh Later this week to talk about the draft, and if you're wondering why we're not talking about Chris Paul player options and extensions for people, that's coming uh, then as well. And then we'll talk about it even more on the episode after that. So plenty of more off-season coverage coming. The summer league schedule is out, Kevin. That's coming, too. And then, Kevin, I will go on a vacation. I have declared it as such. It will be done. I slammed the table with authority. See ya. It's just easier to do in this room, too. I don't know. Being alone (laughs) in my room makes it awkward, but yeah, it's easy to do. Okay. Great outro. That's the outro. Bye, everyone.